So, uh, Dr. Newhart is coming. It's the first two weekends of December. And we are asking that you pray now at who you might be able to invite. We will be having a dinner theater. You may ask, why are we doing all the different venues? Because maybe one way doesn't work for everybody, but what we have found is providing a dinner for people where they can come and they can enjoy a dinner, they can relax a little bit and then hear a message, it prepares them. It's a different way. And so Friday night, the second weekend, we'll be doing a dinner theater. Well, uh, we've done that before, but all of these are venues for us here at North Lake Church to think about people we can bring, neighbors, friends, school uh, people from your schools, whomever you can think of that the Lord will help you to bring so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. This year's message is simple. We jam all kinds of stuff into us at Christmas. Things that cannot ever satisfy and the only thing that brings real joy and life is Jesus at Christmas and it's about having a new heart and that's what the message of this one is. So we encourage you to come and, uh, and be a part of helping us to reach out to our community. Two more things and I'm going to pass them and I'm going to ask before I pass that you make sure that you see to it that get, this gets to another aisle because last time we got them stuck somewhere. So if you would, this is communion with the pastor. Communion with the pastor is a very special time for us. It allows Jill and I personal time with you as a family. Uh, now we try to make it where Jill and I both are here. There are certain times if you sign up during the day, it may just be me. You're stuck with just me maybe. But uh, the point is, is this. We believe it's important to make a personal contact with you and we pray all year for what you, your needs are and for what you're believing God for for the new year. So I'm going to start that one on this side. If you haven't signed up yet but you'd like to, please make sure you do. Then here is Operation Cookie. We are baking 120 dozen or more cookies for our neighbors. We're taking them to our fire department, our police station, our EMTs, and our schools. These are people who oftentimes are unappreciated. They're, they are up on the front lines day after day, and they don't get a lot of recognition. So we're going to go, and we're going to simply say we make a very nice gift uh, uh, arrangement. We get the cookies, make a note from North Lake Church, and we just say thank you for giving to our community all year long. We want to say thank you. So if you could help us by baking four dozen cookies, if you've already signed this, that's great. But if you haven't and you'd be willing to help us, that would be fantastic. All right. Now before we go to live streaming and that, I would like uh, Dom to come, if he would, and his family. We are getting ready to, uh, to ship off a very important part of North Lake Church. Um, Dom has been faithful uh, 
he has come and offered just playing the drums. And the reason that they're set up today is he uh, came and said, you know what I'd really like before I go is to play the drums one more time. And so uh, I want to thank Nick and Christina for making that happen. And uh, Dom has been a blessing. Dom has been faithful in activities other than the drums, outreaches. He has spent lots of his time, and we're getting ready to send him off to the Coast Guard. We know that God has a plan for his life. This is part of uh, being church too. God calls some to stay and plant here for several years, but then God will then speak to them, and they are to go out from us. This is a biblical uh, concept. This happens in the Word of God. And so as we lay hands on them, and I'm going to ask my board and, and uh, uh, staff and their spouses to come, and uh, as we get ready to pray over Dom, we are sending out a part of us from North Lake Church. I believe that God has uh, equipped Dom with everything he needs. That's according to the Scripture. For life and godliness. He is going and wherever God places his feet, we, he will be a witness for Jesus. Would you come and let's get ready to pray. What an awesome family. Aren't they a good looking family? <laughs> Steve, would you lead us in prayer? Praise you, Jesus. Thank Lord you. God, we just thank you for your many blessings, Lord, and Father, for your guidance and direction in our lives. And thank you, Lord. Lord, that you are with us every moment of every day, Father, yes. that you have promised that you will never leave us and never forsake us, Lord. And Father, we just Jesus. gather here this morning, Lord, to thank you for Dom, Lord, to thank you for yes. being a part of our fellowship here, Lord. And Father, as you have called him out and as he prepares to go, Lord, we just ask thank that you, you would guide his path, Lord, that you yes. would guide us. You would go before him, yes. Lord, and you would guide him in every way, Father, that he would continue to find favor in your eyes, Lord, and that, yes. Father, that as he goes to be among uh, men and women that are in the Coast Guard, Lord, yes. that, Father, you would just be with him and that uh, he would be a witness for you even there, Father. Yes. And Jesus. so we just thank you that for his time here, Lord, and yes. Father, as we just send him out, we ask that you, of course, go with him, and we go with him, Lord, yes. in spirit, Father, yes. and stand behind him, Lord, as his, as his church family. Yes. We just ask this and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So make sure you hug on Dom, because tomorrow he gets sworn in, and the next day he gets shipped off to New Jersey. So uh, would you make sure you greet him and let him know how much you appreciate him. All right. Well, I'd like to welcome all of you who are getting ready to join us live stream. And let's get ready to raise our uh, Bibles. I have a little bit of comment after we do this, but let's do it first. This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. And then, because we are convinced 
that living water changes everything, one life at a time. That is what drives North Lake Church. If you haven't grabbed a hold of that yet, you need to because you're going to see that because we have to be driven by the purpose of God, not by a whim or by a thing of the second. We have to be driven by what God has asked and what God's heart is, and that's what it is. Now, I talked to you about uh, purchasing a new Bible last week. I'm not going to make a big deal about this, but I do need to let you know that in my Thompson chain, I am going to be reading out of the New American Standard Bible from now on. The reason why are some personal issues for me that I have studied that I see happening with the NIV that make me uncomfortable. I am not asking you to throw your NIV out. I am saying for me, I am making a change. Now, uh, the one that I have here is actually a little small for me. <laughs> and so as I get ready possibly to pass this one down in the next few years to uh, my youngest daughter, uh, I am going to be continuing to look at translations. And so uh, I am not telling you that I will stick with the New American Standard Bible the rest of my life. I am telling you I know of it and I know that I trust it. And so, uh, I, again, I want to make it clear. I'm not asking you to throw out your NIV. I am saying that they have done a few things since 2011 uh, that I am uncomfortable with because of some of the statements they've made that they were going to continue the old one, but now they have not. And so, anyway, that's something your pastor says. I ask that you check it out for yourself. If you have an NIV Bible, God bless you. You use it and let the Lord minister to you. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's get ready as we continue to talk about what drives us. What gives us the green light at North Lake Church to do what we are doing? This is important because, again, what drives us can't just be a whim at the moment. It can't just be a passing fancy. It has to be grounded and founded upon something that continues until Jesus comes. So that is why, although ever since we have been uh, talking and defining about the vision and what God has given us here at North Lake Church to do, that this principle of the living water changing everything is not anything new that we have been saying, but it is something that we can tangibly grab hold of. It is the reason we exist as a church. The living water changes everything, one life at a time. And that living water is what Jesus came to bring. And so we are going to look this morning at the fact that Christ is the living water. When we talk about the living water, I understand that that term you know, someone say, well, what is the living water? Well, first of all, let me explain to you why we've chosen that word. Number one, everyone knows what water is. And when you say living water, it brings the question, well, what is living water? How is that different? Christ is the living water. 
He is the water that you can drink and not be thirsty anymore. It's not a natural thirst. It is a spiritual thirst. That spiritual gnawing, that spiritual thing that won't go away. You know what it's like as a person that was without Jesus, that gnawing that you had at your spirit. You also know as a believer... If after receiving Jesus, you've tried to fill it with other things other than him. And you begin to be a miserable Christian. Because when you aren't filling it with the living water, you start to get restless. You start to get upset. You start to get out of kilter. And so the living water is something that we all need. We're going to be looking at John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39, and we're talking again about what is the go, what is the purpose of North Lake Church, what makes us go, gives us the green light, and I tell you, it is the living water. All right, so we're going to be looking at that passage of Scripture, and here it is, we're only going to be looking at three short verses this morning. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as Scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit had not yet, uh, had, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Praise the Lord. The first thing that we want to talk about is Jesus' statement, if any man or any one is thirsty... We're not talking about a physical thirst, although if you're thirsty this morning, that picture may start all kinds of things inside you. It did me when I saw it. I thought, wow, that really makes me want to go get a drink. <laughs> so that may be doing that to you, and if it does, that's doing this purpose, okay? Uh, there's nothing like a glass of water, and this one I chose specifically because if it's really a cold glass, you know because it builds that moisture on the outside of the glass. It's cold. There's something about that cold, refreshing drink of water. Well, Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty. And the first thing that I want to talk about as we talk about what drives us is that is we need to be looking for those who are thirsty. You say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? There are ones who are out in the world and they have not reached the point yet where they are thirsty for Jesus. They still want to fill themselves up with what the prodigal son was doing and with what, what sin brings. So the reason I say this is because God gives us wisdom too. 
when we go out and we are driven about the living water, don't find somebody and start talking with them if they have absolutely no interest of Jesus and in fact they're hostile. You are different when you talk to them than someone who is thirsty. Do you understand? You're not going to, by the way, save anyone anyway. Only God can do that. But if you're throwing out your seed, if we were to use the analogy of throwing out seed, there are going to be those who are more receptive to it. And if you find ones who aren't receptive and aren't thirsty enough yet, that's why you're supposed to be the salt. You're supposed to be what they look at and they say, that makes me thirsty. That makes me want what they have. I see them being blessed by God. I see them when the problems of life come. I see them when they're under stress that they have a hope. They have something different. They don't get all wound up. They, they don't run around like a chicken with their head cut off yelling the sky is falling. And hopefully, for us who are anchored in Jesus, we aren't doing that. I'm going to pause a moment and let that sink in. Because if we are, then again, I tell you that you have received Jesus as your Savior, but you're trying to put all kinds of life's stuff in your life, and it will choke out the joy of the Lord. But if you are really letting the living water in there, people will find that you make them thirsty for God. Amen. So we need to look for thirsty people. Now, this is what the Word of God says regarding what I just talked about. We're just going to read it. This is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. And that's what we've talked about. There are those in the world who are blinded. And they're, they're not going to, unless we continue to be the salt of the earth, be moved. The Word of God talks about this, and, and if you didn't turn there, turn there, because... It is, a, it is a very important passage. Because right after that, and I didn't list this one there, but I want you to read it with me. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is verse number 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 
that is important that we do not preach ourselves, but that we preach Christ. Don't preach your preferences. Preach Christ. Amen? Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come unto me. That brings us to the next point, and that is that not everyone is going to automatically see Jesus as someone that they immediately, boy, I'm just struggling with the drops and all kinds of stuff today. Y'all pray for me. I left my glasses in Vienna, and then I lost another pair, so I'm down to my last pair here. But hopefully before the end of the service, I'll still have them. So, uh, but I, I want us to turn to uh, Isaiah 53. Listen to what the scripture says here in verse number 2 of chapter 53 regarding Jesus. First of all, the reason that I put this picture up is because oftentimes uh, Jesus is too often depicted as, as someone who is so striking that it, it just makes people irresistible to him. But this is what the Word of God actually says. It says in verse number 2, He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of the parched ground, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Now, I know the movies sometimes depict it that way, but that's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that he was as a man like you and I, and yet he is the Son of God. I understand that when we talk about Jesus, there are those who say, who cares? He's just a guy. There's nothing in him that I am attracted to. That's okay. You be the salt anyway. See, it's just as important that we don't get hung up on the fact that, that we have to save people because we can't save anyone. But as much as you don't need to be hung up on that, you also need to understand that God has called us to go and to be witnesses. And then it's in the Lord's hands who he draws. Because there will be those whom God has ready who will come to Jesus. So the point is, is are we finding people who are thirsty? Oftentimes, I find a lot of trouble with those who just want to uh, sit everybody down who aren't ready. And there is no value in it. Do you hear me? Jesus says, do not cast your pearl before swine, or they will trample you. So you need to be wise in what you're doing. Uh, 
I'm not saying that you judge for yourself who is to be saved or not because Jesus said all who call on the name of the Lord. But as you're throwing out the seed, you can begin to understand those who are receptive and those who are not. Don't get hung up on those who aren't. Let God continue to work on them. You just continue to be the salt, but look for those who are thirsty. There are those who are there who are thirsty, and we want to focus on those. Now, in spite of the fact that Jesus said that there was nothing in him that we should automatically be attracted to, this is what Jesus says about himself in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The fact is, is there is one way to God. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And so, this is what we want people to experience. Jesus said, if you will come to me, And if you will drink of the water that I give to you, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That is an awesome picture. I hope that that would be a representation of all of us at North Lake Church, that the river of the living water of God, Christ, is truly permeating out of our lives. That is the only hope for the world. It is not for us to make them better people. It is not for us to make them more acceptable before they come to church. It is about them having the living water because that's the only thing that will change them. It's the only thing that will change them. Too often, though, we focus on what Samuel focused on. Out of Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 7, Samuel came before Eliab and as he looked at this one who was head and shoulders and obviously very kingly looking, Samuel said, that's it. The scripture says it this way. When it came about when they entered that he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That is a very important thing for us to grab. Those who you often think are the ones that ought to be 
in church are the ones that God will say, you know what, they're not ready. Just don't focus on them. We're not going to reach all of those that are simply middle-class America comfortable for us to have here at the church. Now, Jesus loves everyone, whether you're the richest of rich or the poorest of poor, Jesus came to die for them. But we, in our society, often make judgments by external appearance. We judge whether a person is even saved or not by personal appearance. Oh, that the Lord would truly help blind our natural eyes and give us spiritual eyes to see. Truly, we need to be praying, Lord, give us spiritual eyes so that we do not look automatically at one and think, boy, there's one that needs to be in the church, but that we say, God, who's thirsty? And let me start with that. Whoever it is, whomever they are, wherever they've been, Whatever color, race, background, it doesn't matter. God loves them and died for them. And if they're thirsty, God's calling them. So we need to not look at the outward appearance. We need to be careful because it drives everything we do. It doesn't take long for you to look at our nation, and know that the outward appearance means everything. If you don't have the right looks, the right place, the right job, the right car, man, in the commercials, you are lower than nothing. It goes as far as if you don't drink the right beer, you're nothing. I mean, everything in our culture is about doing the right thing in appearance. The reason that the Pharisees were so angry at Jesus is he didn't care about appearances. He says, I'm looking on the inward. He says, you clean the outside of the cup but what needs to be clean is the inside of the cup. So we need to make sure that we are focusing on those who are thirsty, that we are focusing with the eyes of Jesus and the Spirit of God, not with our natural eyes. And I will tell you, unless any of us think, well, I don't do that, you need to walk in the Spirit because all of us in the flesh will do it. All of us. Because we're human. We all have those things that we certainly gravitate towards and we need to be led by the Spirit of God and not by our emotions, not by our, 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 our makeup. We need to be led by the Spirit that lives in us. That picture of that river flowing from your inmost being, that is what it's about because when it changes on the inside, the outside changes automatically. 
I'll never forget my father-in-law getting all upset and wound up, he said, at work when he introduced somebody to Jesus. And there in the workroom as he walked in was this man who just gave his heart to the Lord talking in the foulest of language. And Cecil and all of his natural man started walking over to him and was about to tell him how the cow ate the cabbage. And as he got close, the Spirit of God looked at him and said, said out loud, don't touch him. He's mine. And Cecil said it was so overwhelming it kind of scared him and he walked away and Jesus said, don't you think that I can handle my children? And it wasn't probably only about maybe less than two months later that this same gentleman walked back into my father-in-law's office and said, Cecil, I've been thinking a lot and I've been watching you and how you interact with people and watching your life. And he said, you know, I feel like the Lord is telling me that I probably let some of those filthy words used that I'm using go. What do you think? And Cecil said, you know, I think that would be a good idea if you hear the Lord speaking to your heart to do it. Isn't that a whole lot easier than us trying to beat people with it? Now, understand, there's no one that has that tendency more than I do. <laughs> but we have to resist and walk in the Spirit, not in our flesh. And when we do that, Jesus says in our last part of the Scripture that, in going back to John chapter 7, that Jesus was talking to them in verse 39 about the Spirit that was to come. But don't get this confused with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the indwelling of the Spirit. He's talking about that when you are saved, God takes your old heart out and gives you a new heart, and then He places His Spirit in you. That is the living water. That's it. That is what makes you alive inside. That is what's going to make the difference. The living water changes everything. And it is that indwelling of His Spirit that will change everything one life at a time. That indwelling You say, well, pastor, why, why are you making the distinction? Aren't we Pentecostal? Yes, we are. Praise the Lord. But everybody has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And if I've looked and I've studied and I've studied, Jesus, and I'm going to show you the Scripture, when he talks to his disciples, breathed on them after he has resurrected and says, receive the Spirit. And yet he still tells them, wait and tarry for the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Two different events. And I want all of us to experience tearing for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing. But the indwelling, that's what changes everything. So, and, and the reason I, I'm spending time on this is because last week Jesus talked to Nicodemus, remember, in John chapter 3, and he says, don't be surprised at me saying you must be born again. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You can't see it with your natural eye, but you know it's there. You know it exists. You see the results of the wind. If you don't believe that, go look at our trees that line up in our thing. You can see that the wind blows east. The trees are bent that way. Well, when you see those who are under the influence of the Spirit, you know. It's obvious that the Spirit is there. Amen? This is what Jesus, this is what the Old Testament, God looking forward, then we're going to read what Jesus says to the disciples after his resurrection. <coughs> this is Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. That is the difference. You cannot walk with the Lord in your own strength. But when his indwelling is in you, he fills you with power to do that which you cannot do. He will give you that strength. It is the matter of fact of having people say, you aren't even the same person that you used to be. That's true, I'm not. I've had the opportunity through Facebook to interact with several who knew me in high school who say, you aren't even the same person. You're right, I'm not. Thank God. God, I'm not. Praise God, I'm not. I was the most angry, bitter person. I would, I'm telling you, when God gives you a new heart, he means it. And when he says, I will place my spirit in you, he means it. It won't be a spirit. It's not the spirit of, ooh, it is his spirit. <laughs> We're talking about God's spirit. <laughs> there, 
There's all kinds of spiritual things floating out there that you don't want to be attached to. (laughs) You want God's spirit. (laughs) I don't know how that even came out. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to what Jesus said then. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 20, this is a very important verse. If you haven't, uh, get there. Turn there, whether it be your physical Bible or your electronic Bible. Turn to John 20. Hard to turn these new pages. John chapter 20. This is right after... Jesus was among his disciples after after the resurrection. Now, we're going to concentrate on verse number 22. I'll put it up there. But let's begin reading from verse 19. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He's about ready to send them. And then this is the most important thing. Look at what he says in verse number 22. And I'll put it up here for us. And he said this. And and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. I have studied and studied and studied. Nowhere in Scripture do I find Jesus did an action and did not have whatever he did come to pass. When Jesus breathed on them, understand, he was not talking about what was promised that was to come. He was saying You are now going to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. See, up to that point, people were not indwelt with the Spirit. There was those who the Spirit came on in power all throughout the Old Testament. There were those that had the Holy Spirit, but not every believer the indwelling of His Spirit. When Jesus had rose from the dead, he now was able to say, you are able to have my spirit in you. That is everything. Receive the Holy Spirit. So as we look... At John chapter 7, and Jesus saying, 
But he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given. Here's the key. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. But when Jesus was glorified, when he rose from the dead, he opened heaven. So everyone who believes in him will not perish but have life everlasting. At that moment, Ezekiel that we read in the Old Testament was fulfilled and is being fulfilled since. When a person calls on the Lord, you say, Pastor, you're spending a lot of time on this. I am because you need to understand that salvation is not just an intellectual event. It is a supernatural thing that happens on the inside that no one else can do but God. It's not in the words. It's in us being obedient to the word. But it's not a magic formula. It's not a, a magic gift to get it. It is a life transformation. It is a life change. It is about transformational change. At that moment of salvation, when really someone in faith calls on the name of the Lord, his old heart, I don't understand it. It's like the wind. I can't grab a hold of it but I see the results of it. I see it in the life of those who have called and have had a new heart. I see it in the life of those who have had God take out their old, hard, stony heart and give them a heart of flesh. And then he'll say, I'll place my spirit in you. That is the best news. I want you to know that's the reason I get up the next day. If I had to do it on my own, I would have failed long ago. And I'm telling you the truth. I tried, even after being saved, to tell God how good I was going to be and how I would serve him. And I finally said at one point in my life, God, I am a miserable failure. I can't. And he said, good, I was waiting for you to say it. And I realized his Holy Spirit is the only way I can live for him. I can't do it in my own strength. I must have him do it with me, through me, or I have no hope. But that is the hope. God is true to his word. He who says he'll place a new spirit in you will do it. When will you receive his power? the moment you step to be obedient. Don't sit and say, God, if you'll do it, I'll move. You'll sit until forever. But if you will say, God, you said it, I'll step. As soon as you step in faith, you are empowered by his spirit. Bow your head with me. This is why we must be convinced that the living water changes everything one life at a time. It's what drives us.
it's not just a passing fancy. It is the reason for the transformational change. And it's the greatest story that's ever been told. And God has asked us that as God sent Jesus, so now he is sending you and I. He's sending you and I so that we can be his instruments in our community, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, so that you can be that light of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you have not yet made that commitment to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you've said a prayer many times. Maybe you've served the Lord for some time and walked away. I don't know. Maybe you've never called on the name of the Lord personally. Maybe you've heard of it, but you really never, maybe your family has told you, maybe you've never personally yourself made that decision, that saying yes to Jesus. If you're here and you haven't done that, I want to give you the opportunity. When I give you the opportunity, I will ask that you come and pray with me. I will turn my microphone off. I will not embarrass you. But I do want to pray with you. I want to give you a Bible to start you out. And I want to make sure that you're going to be starting in the, in, in the right way. So if you're here and you want to receive Jesus, would you slip your hand up? Say, Pastor Brian, pray with me. I want to receive Jesus. I want to pray that prayer. I want to have that new heart. I want to have his spirit in me. If you're here and you want to pray that prayer, slip your hand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, then I pray today that, Lord, you will continue as we talk about our purpose and what drives us, that it be the focal point of everything we do, that, Lord, any activity, any thing, Lord, we are doing in our life, it's all because of that. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these that is here today. Lord, those who you have placed in their path, may they have divine appointments. And God, may they have a holy conversation. And God, may they see the wind of your spirit and may they experience the living water in their hearts. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, I pray as we go that you would help us to be intentional about you on this day, your day. In Jesus' name, amen.